You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Away From Home podcast number five. I'm John Hillcock and this is a podcast about unknown territory, about listening to music in the company of others in association with Calm, the campaign against living miserably. If you're listening to this podcast on Friday the 29th of June, there will be no football on television today, not a single World Cup match. Now this is either something that you couldn't care less about or at the prospect of a day free of football, you might be experiencing now a warm wave of gentle elation and relief as it spreads through your body, as you contemplate being just that bit closer to the end of this horrible, stinking, sport-obsessed hell. Or, of course, the thought of no football today whatsoever might have had you waking up with a strange emptiness, a deep vacuum of nothing, as you wondered, in God's name, what on earth are you going to do with yourself at three and seven o'clock today? Whichever of these describes you, there's absolutely something for you in this podcast, even though it is with a former international footballer turned pundit. I promise this is not a podcast about football. And I'll tell you all about this week's guest after a song and a bit of rustly wind Uh, by Virginia Wing, who were actually played by Tom Ravenscroft back on the very first Away From Home. Uh, This is a song from their brilliant recent album, Ecstatic Arrow, uh, which I've listened to non-stop, and it's a song about spending your day doing a job you hate, about being uninspired and a bit sad about it, but refusing to give in. This is Virginia Wing with Eight Hours Don't Make a Day. Tomorrow There's no 
This week's guest on Away From Home is Pat Nevin. Pat was born in 1963, grew up in the east end of Glasgow. As a boy, his father insisted on training him every day for an hour, sometimes uh, only with one leg, uh, to make sure that he would be as ambidextrous as possible. Uh, This training paid off when he signed for Clyde in 1981, having already been rejected by Celtic for being too small. He went on to make over 600 appearances as a professional for Chelsea, Everton, Tramir Rovers, Kilmarnock and Motherwell over the course of a 20-year career, during which he was also capped 28 times for Scotland. Since retiring as a player in 2000, Pat went on to become a well-respected writer and pundit, appearing regularly on all manner of TV and radio football programmes, most frequently of late on BBC Five Live. But it's Pat's life away from football which makes him even more interesting and, and prone to be a guest on this podcast. More specifically... Uh, He's he's kind of renegade, uh, independent spirit. Not only did he campaign against racism and sectarianism when he was a professional footballer, uh, in fact he actually turned his back on Celtic, having supported them all his life uh, due to sectarian behaviour among fans. He also supported nuclear disarmament in the 80s and co-wrote a book about the psychology of footballers in the late 90s. It was called On Me Ed's Son, and it explored the idea of his being a footballer, uh, being a job, but not necessarily defining him as a man. Uh, let's just say if Pat was a player now, he probably wouldn't be one of the ones watching Love Island. And it's Pat's independent spirit which is perhaps best illustrated by his taste in music. The enemy called him the first post-punk footballer in the 80s. He likes The Fall, Camera Obscura, Orange Juice, Joseph K, My Bloody Valentine, and he became friends with John Peel, Vinnie Riley of the Durity Column, and Simon Raymond of the Cocteau Twins, of course now the boss of Bella Union Records. In our chat we talk about all of this and what it's like to be someone who exists in a world which isn't necessarily known for its alternative counterculture spirit, uh, but someone who's also determined to try and introduce anyone with the patience to listen to something they haven't heard before. So I sent Pat an email and we plan to record at his home up in Dunce, which is near Berwick-upon-Tweed, somewhere he describes himself as not the end of the earth, but you can certainly see it from the window. He said he'd pick me up from the station if I got a train up to Berwick-upon-Tweed and... Unfortunately, some last-minute radio work for both of us meant that it would actually be far easier for us to meet uh, in a studio at Media City in Salford, which is a bit more boring, but that's what we did. Um, Me, after an early show shift on Six Music, and him before a five-live slot discussing the developing Chelsea manager situation. So, Pat Nevin, talking music and records and a bit of football, recorded just a few weeks ago after this, a song introduced by Pat's old mate, John Peel. These are the tractors who come from the Greater Merseyside and the only professional footballer that I've ever known socially is Pat Nevin, who unfortunately plays for Chelsea and uh, last time I saw him didn't play particularly well, but he's usually very good and uh, the tractors have recorded a song about him or more accurately about his eyes, Pat Nevin's eyes. Here he is, on my screen Is he Davey Harrison? Ah, Jimmy, just in the sun It's in the stars Right to my back with a big cigar You got the truth, but got no lies The answer lies behind never's eyes So... You know, we were supposed to originally do this. You know, very generously said that I could come and look through your records at home no, and, was, and do it that a good way. story with my records at home. Yeah. Are you recording it? Yeah, we are. We're recording. Oh, okay. Four or five years back, um, my entire collection just about was destroyed. Uh, really? With a, and a flood in the basement of the house. Um, and I always get the same look when I tell people, oh, oh my God. Mm. 
And I, I just came home this day, and there'd been a flood in the basement, and my records had been on the floor. And huge numbers of them, just, as you can imagine, water on a warm day, and it just, it's the worst oh, conditions, goodness. wrecked. Um, and I'd say about 60, 70% destroyed. Um, and I've kept them all, but they're all, you know, and I've kept them all together, so they might, some of them are kind of playable. But, but all the sleeves go wonky go and, yeah, exactly. and are horrible. Um, and everyone says it's horrible. I actually, to be honest, it wasn't. It didn't bother me the slightest. It had, had no effect at all. I mean, that seems an odd thing to say. But the sadness is, I was on my way back from a funeral right. from a friend who died much younger than me. Um, had an unlucky, an unlucky break. He was a great guy, funniest guy, biggest character I knew. And I thought, I'm not going to sit and worry about a bunch of records. Mm. <laughs> you know, and it was the weirdest thing. Like, happened any other time, any other day that year or years before, I would have been devastated. <laughs> happened that day and I went, nah, get yourself together, mate. Uh, and I've replaced most of it, but not with vinyl. I've not been able to. Just, no. It would have been, it'd have been a lifetime's work trying to replace that. And I just thought, no, I can't do it. Um, so I've, I've got the music, you know, obviously I've got it digitally, I've got a lot of it on CD. Um, but that kind of was, so people come and expect the best big record collection, in actual fact, it's gone, really. It's yeah. Fortunately, things, the single survived, the seven inches. Um, and it was a number that for some reason I kept in the sh top shelf, the shelf above it. I don't know why, I hadn't thought there might be a flood. I just thought, oh, these are really special, I'll put them up there. So really special, rare ones. They were up. Not my favourite ones, just rare, yeah, special they ones. They had a pride of place. Uh, yeah, and whether yeah. I subconsciously thought they were worth something, about, although I'd never sell them. Um, I was going to say, you don't strike me as the kind of person who'd ever want to sort of sell things. And, but never you, <laughs> you know, you, the kind of people who would put a record on the wall, like in its sleeve on the wall. You're, again, you're not. I feel like you're someone who would play their records. I play them, yeah. You, I would put a sleeve on the wall, but not the record. Mm, um, mm. It, only because it's a piece of beautiful artwork, yeah. and it, the wall, it would be. There's a couple that are, that were so beautiful, uh, but no, I play. You know, just music is for music. It's for listening to. Where do you go to to find and discover new music? That's interesting because it, it used to be like most of us, it was John Peel. And John Peel being a friend, um, also my hero beforehand, was weird. Mm. But I just listened to John's show all the time and I recorded yeah. it all the time and yeah. I downloaded it and I listened to it two or three times, usually in team coaches driving up and down when I was playing football. Um, so it was, always, it was always there and when John, we lost John, you know, you, you, you kind of felt lost anyway. But you know, there's a time when suddenly you've got Spotify, suddenly you've got YouTube. More often than not, I've got six music. I've got podcasts of other stations around the world. Mm. You know, there's quite a few good ones out of America. Um, you find one, and I kind of get a wee bit hooked on it for a while, and listen to it, and then I'm hold, hold on it, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then you're hooked on it for quite some time, and then you think, well, I've got all that now. And then you don't want to hear it again. I mean, yeah. I, there's only so many times I want to hear that. I've got that now. I'm, I'm moving somewhere else. You're yeah. always moving on. Um, so there's that. There is a big thing with the 
the last number of years, which has been really good, is uh, DJing around the place. So you go online and see who's DJ beforehand, and then you have a look at their set list. Mm. What a great way of finding stuff yeah. that is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. brilliant. Yeah. So set yeah. lists of people. Um, if you DJ, you're kind of wanting to play something that people don't know. Mm. So they'll be doing the same. So you'll find stuff that you you really wouldn't have stumbled across. Yeah. And you do the same yourself. You play stuff and people go, wow, where'd that come from? Um, so there's that. And then there's groups of friends. Yeah. Which is a big thing as well. Uh, bands that you know, bands that have moved. I now and again, I don't do it as much as a lot of people do. I think I know a lot of people, you know, I suppose if I like it, but you bought this, other people bought X, Y, Z. Mm. That, I remember trying that for a while and thinking, that's great. And it just sends you send down the same the wormholes. The same, yeah, yeah. It just sends you down yeah. the same wormholes. Yeah. And that did not last long as an interest to me at mm. all. Um, I remember hearing, and it was Peely played it, the first time he played a track by Camel Obscura. Mm. And halfway through the song, I thought, I've got my new favourite band. You know, I really have got my new favourite band. And it was just this moment of, what a voice. You don't get that sophistication of songwriting by a fluke, or very rarely you get it by a, a, a fluke. And by the end of the night, I checked out, found out other stuff, and then just thought, gone. And I went to see them within about three or four days. Mm. And, you know, the first two or three albums are just two, two or three of the best albums I've ever heard. Talk more about Peel, actually. Um, is it true that you you said that he was a hero of yours more than any footballer was a hero of yours, and that you you actually used it's one of the only times you've used your uh, name can, can as a I, footballer to meet John Peel? Can is, I correct you on that? <laughs> Not one of the only times. The only. The time. only time. The only time. Yeah. Um, and I don't. I wasn't. A, hey, do you know who I am? It wasn't quite that. It wasn't a kick in the backside of it. No, I was writing, I was asked to write for the uh, Chelsea newspaper, Chelsea Football Club newspaper, um, because I knew I wrote stuff. I'd started writing a bit for the NME and things like that. Mm. And f back in the fanzine culture, I was writing stuff for fanzines as well, under different names, mm. uh, just because I loved the music. Um, and I thought, I, I'd like to interview John Peel. There's a couple of things I'd like to do, and one of them was interview John Peel. So I wrote to him, and he wrote back, and he said, uh, well, which was kind of him, you know. By the way, kids we needed to write to people in those days we didn't send an email there wasn't text there wasn't nothing you had to write so i wrote i got a nice letter back saying i'm a bit busy maybe we could try it at a later date i wrote back that day and just said look the reason why i would like to do it sooner rather than later is because i'm uh, i play for a little team in southeast london, southwest london <laughs> and we're playing your team liverpool in three weeks time uh, and i'm playing in the game and it was like cringy we sent it and he phoned right away and he goes, you should have said, and I went, well, I can't really. So you, and how was it when he phoned as well? No, I mean, it was that brilliant. must have been I think, strange. I actually think it was Walters who phoned first. Oh, really, yeah. And then John came on um, just yeah. to check it was the 
who I said I was. And we just, we met up within days. Um, and it was a funny thing, I did do the interview, I can't remember what was in the interview, but we went to a gig. And then it was just like, oh, so the interview. That's <laughs> it was lovely, like a yeah. Real interest. We yeah. just got on pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I would do anyway. I'm easy going with most people, but um, I thought I'd be a wee bit starstruck. But kind of John's so shy. Yeah. John was always so shy that you would end up bringing him out, kind of thing. And just, it was nice because there's those similarities of going to gigs. When you'd meet up with John at a gig, you know, you stand at the back. And John had some people that helped him with Leslie and Padgett and all the rest of them, who would help along with, you know, and I'd sometimes sit in the studio and you'd need to write the names of the bands and the, the label and so that they get paid, obviously. Effectively work experience on John Peel's yeah, show. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was doing. <laughs> I mean, it's good fun. Like, there was one particular time I was in. Because he'd never, he'd never ever say that it's, I was in, I was a Chelsea player and I was in the studio. That was so, he knew I would hate that. Yeah. And he, that was just... Not his and style either. It's complete yeah. antithesis of what he would do. So yeah. we, we got it. Yeah, there wasn't even a discussion about that. That was understood. And it, it was fine. But now and again, he would say, oh, the famous footballer's in tonight. And then move on. Of course, people are <laughs> footballer. <laughs> and people sure. And Ken, people, and I never talked to anyone. Well, I didn't want anyone to know what my alternative life was. I wasn't really talking about it much. But there was one night, the, the Frank Chickens were in. Yeah. And they were so funny. And... They just about gave it away that night. <laughs> uh, but that whole period was great because uh, John stayed with his mum, I think, and mm -hmm. just up the road from where I lived when he stayed in London at the time. Um, and it was just a, a nice time with nice people, and there was no big flash, there was no mm -hmm. big, this is the you know, hip or anything like that. No, no, we kind of like that music. And if we met at a gig, that we may be two of 13 people there. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. That was the way it Jeez. wants to be. Yeah. And of course, you couldn't do it now because people with camera phones. And if it was a Friday night, and I'm going to see Joseph, well, wouldn't wouldn't mean Joseph K, Paul Haig down at the ICA on a Friday night. You know, I'd get slaughtered because I'm playing for Chelsea the next day. Yeah. But it didn't happen then because nobody a at that gig would be interested in football, <laughs> <laughs> and b no phones and anything like that. So it was a nice kind of, sort of period of time that. But that sharing was good. Did you have people? You know, give you double takes when they would be at a gig and they'd say, Hang on, is that that's this pattern of yeah. John Peel? I can't believe it. Yeah, oh, more, at, more at John, much more at John. Yeah. Um, I, you think it's, and it still happens to some degree. You go to a gig in a, a scruffy place in Edinburgh or whatever, and people just kind of, people at those type of gigs are just quite cool. They just chat to you. Yeah. I mean, a classic example, I remember years years ago um, at a place called the Wag Club in London, which mm. was. A, when I say trendy, hang out. That was I, a hit place, the White Club, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, place, yeah. A, a many, many years ago. Yeah. So I was there with my, um, my flatmate, who's Adrian Thrills, who was, used to work with Enemy. We were sitting there, standing at the White Club, and we got to see Slim Gaylord, who was this great old um, jazz guy from the 30s. I mean, he played to Reagan and Catherine Hepburn and all that. I mean, Catherine Hepburn, my heroine. Um, and he was playing, and it was brilliant, and it was so cool. It was fun. He, 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 he plays like that. You know, turns his knuckles and plays with his knuckles. Just, he was fabulous. Ultra cool or Rooney, as he was. Anyway, I was at the bar. I was talking to Adrian. A guy bumped me and I kind of spilled my glass of wine. I went, that's terrible, that one. Anyway, didn't turn around to this guy behind me. Bumped again. And I said to Adrian, I said, well, I'm going to have to have a word with this guy. And he said, well, yeah. I went, okay, bumped me again. And you can tell as you're a football, you can feel that someone's bigger or smaller than you. Right. And this guy was a little bit smaller than me. I thought, turned out to have a go. 
Bowie. Maybe I shouldn't have a go at David Bowie. <laughs> and he's chatting away to his friend and I get bumped again. And I said to him, I've got to say something, but I'll not say it to Bowie, I'll say something to his mate like, can you keep your mate in control? So I went to lean over to talk to his mate, <laughs> Jagger. <laughs> no! And I went, ah, forget it. <laughs> the reason for telling the story was, nobody bothered them. There are certain places you can go that everyone talks about the life and the spotlight and the public eye. But you know when you can go to certain places where you yeah. won't get that hassle. Yeah. Now, yeah. whether it be something as huge as Bowie or Jagger, you know where to go, or Peely and myself, you know where to go where you won't get that hassle. If you want to go and get noticed and pointed at, you know where to go as well. And you learn it. It was one of the great nights, a fabulous night, um, which was sad in many ways. Uh, I got a phone call from Sheila saying John's birthday coming up, coming to the party, because every five years they have a big one, like 45, 55, 65, you know. Uh, so I said on the phone, uh, when is it? So two weeks on Saturday, uh, in the house, P. Lakers, I'll be there. She says, oh, you don't, you sure? I'll be there. I think, all right, see you then. And I was going, what did you say? I said, well, I said, well I'm going to John's thing this Saturday. The, you come in, she went, you've arranged a charity golf match that day and the next day, and you're helping run it. And I went, I'll still go. And she went, but that's Suffolk. Suffolk compared to where it was in Edinburgh. It's like, beside that switch, it's like, it's impossible, right? And I went, I've got to go. I just got to go. And Maurice going, you're off your head. And I said, look, we're not flashing. I'm not that wealthy. So, but if I have to fight, hire a wee plane, I'll get down. Because you can do that. It's, but I just, and she said, I've never done it like it. So anyway, turns out I found out that I could tee off in the morning at nine in the morning, finished at one, get to the airport, Edinburgh, get a normal flight down to Stansted, car waiting for me to drive over to P. Lakers. Was there, it's half past seven. Um, John was in the best form I've ever known him. The band playing at his at the party was Cameron Obscura. <laughs> you know, so it was friends of mine. I bet him and you, Trace Ann and Carrie and all the guys. And they, we had the most brilliant night. Could tell, again, could tell you stories all night about it, but it was just fantastic. You know, midnight comes. I've said, look, I had a great night. I need to get a car back. I've got a flight at 6 a.m. Car waiting, takes me back. I've got four hours sleep. Back at I'm on the golf course next morning. I've not, nobody's any of the wiser, right? So I'd never do that sort of thing, but it's great, and I've had the most brilliant break. John was dead within three weeks. And, you know, to, and my wife, remember her saying, she said, you've never done it like that before. You're, that's not your style to do that sort of stuff. And it was kind of money was no object. But I kept on saying, I have to be there. I have to be there. Mm. And because there's other parties that John had had that I didn't go to, because I was busy. Um, and I'm, I'm not religious, and I'm not, but why did I do that? Yeah, you can't help but feel there's some serendipity, but 
you know, but then you... Three weeks later, we were down again for the funeral. Yeah. So, anyway, I've never been so... I mean, so sad, really sad, but never been happy that I did something. Mm. To actually be there and having done that. and It was a horrible, horrible, horrible time for everyone, you know. And getting gone down there, next time we went down, there was lots of friends there. That, yeah. And we were all together. Everyone was... Yeah, really quite stunned by it. This is the greatest time of my life. These are the biggest times of my life. This is the greatest time of my life. These are the biggest times of my life. This is the finest time. Peely played fall, really early on fall, because he'd been Joy Division, been big pusher of it, and I love Joy Division. He said that he kind of compared them with their importance. I went, fair enough, I hadn't really listened to them, went to see them. I was 17, high induction in tour. Awful, hated it. He just stood there and went, what is this racket? That guy can't sing. And just, whoosh, right over the head. And uh, the guy I was there with, we just looked what was that all about? We just, just, what was that all about? And then, it, it probably took about a year or two. And then it was, oh, he's playing the fall again. Oh, he's playing the fall. I said, I think I'll listen to that again. <laughs> and it just, it was a, such a s slow burn over a year or so. And it wasn't, I'm going to make myself like this band. It was almost a, I don't really like that band. Well, actually, I think I'm getting something. Shit, they're great. <laughs> and then really just getting it completely. It's in. almost like it beds in, though. It's, yeah. it's like a deeper, it's a deeper sort of affection for something like that that, that almost works its way into your uh, affection. If you don't know Marky Smith, and I've tried this with people who aren't into that, those genres of music, they, they find his voice very affected. They think that's just a pure affectation. Uh, and I said, well, that's an interesting word to use because I don't think he would speak like that generally, but he does a wee bit, to be fair. Uh, but I don't think he could really sing any other way. But uh, it, then trying to remember back when you first heard it, you probably felt that yourself. Yeah. You probably think, why is he doing that? Yeah. You know, so I understand it's absolutely bad. When I used to, it was certainly football clubs I played for, if I wanted to really annoy the players, I would do this, this put the tape in, or CD later in, and play two or three tracks. That they, I knew they'd just about put up with and like, and they'd be playing their cards, and then I'd put a full track on. <laughs> so, I really, I want to know specifics. Which clubs are you talking about? Oh, and which, the, can you remember specific reactions from certain players? I, I, well, I can remember, I think it was at Chelsea, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to put something that's in, in some ways easy, Marky e. Smith, but I still annoy him, but I put Spoilt Victorian Child on. Off. <laughs> I mean, no specific players, them all. <laughs> just all of them. And it was just abuse. And, and of course, they don't look anywhere else. They just look down at me, sitting there reading my book. Because <laughs> I've sneaked on to get the music on, because everyone wants to play their music, and I'm trying to get it. So I kind of lull them in. A few years later, after that, what I used to do was uh, I was quite into making videos and 
um, splicing them together and so putting two VHSs together. Mm -hmm. So the VHS on the coach as well. So you could listen. So I'd put, you know, bands, always music with some comedy because I was quite into alternative comedy at the time and then just splice them together and yeah. put them together. And you'd go all the way through it. And then at the end, I'd put a fold track on. Yeah, <laughs> I'd go again. <laughs> and it was always the fold that would kill them. You know, they could all, or I'd, an early Mary Chain would have killed them. Uh, yeah. But you know, it, it, it was fine. But there was because I've never been embedded in one area of music. I talk quite a lot about certain specific areas. But mm. what have Camel Obscura got in common with you know Loveless from My Bloody Valentine? Really, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. don't. You know, really. So there's no reason why it should be different. So there's quite a lot of that. You know, there were certain guys. Remember Alec McLeish, who's now the Scotland manager again. And uh, I was at Scotland Squad, and I had to I put some music on the Scotland Squad. Now, getting the usual kind of not happy with it, right? But this one track, and this is much, much later, and this one track I put on, and Alec McLeish said, he said, that's actually quite good. And I went, all right, big man, that's fine. He goes, what's the name of the band? And I told him, he went, you're taking it. That's not a real name for a band. I went, no, it's honestly, they'll be really big, they'll be really good. They'll, they'll, they'll be famous as anything because they can, they know how to make songs. And he went, oh, tell, write down the name again. Anyway, he goes, and then he turns around and goes, lads, he just told me the name of this band. Can you believe it? And they were having a laugh at me. Anyway, the justified ancients of Moo Moo became <laughs> the KLF, yeah. who every one of them would have bought, bought the singles of yeah. years later. But they wouldn't be aware of the fact that I was playing them this stuff then. Did you ever get nicknames or anything from people that because of yeah, the music? Weirdo. Uh, weirdo was good. Uh, <laughs> and I always helped them, maybe an arrogance, but I always helped, thought they were weird and I was normal. So yeah. that's fine. <laughs> I, think, I, I thought they were. Strange, I thought, they, it's easy to say now, when you're inside a world and everyone's a certain way, it has certain outlooks, etc. Um, but you're called weirdo. And you're thinking, no, no, I'm the one who likes theatre, cinema, music, interested in lots of different parts of life. You, you're all just going to bling in nightclubs. Or not all of you, but some of you. Yeah. And you think, I'm weird? Yeah. I think, yeah. You're, I think you're ultra weird, right? <laughs> But then somebody else did make a good comment once and said, well, what percentage of the population are sitting in the team coach and, and reading Russian literature and French and trying to read it in the original French? <laughs> and you're thinking, yeah, but I think that's kind of normal. While we're on the subject of football, before we go back to music, um, do you ever get bored of talking about it all the time? Brilliant question, no one's ever asked me. No. That's a cracker of a question. Honestly, that's as good a question as I've been asked <laughs> in, in football over the years. Um, I get bored with big parts of it, yes. Um, I work for lots of different media outlets and mm. do a lot of podcasts now, but I've done a lot of TV, radio, and do it not just here, but in Ireland or whatever. Um, and if you start asking me a question that I think is, unbelievably dull and simplistic uh, and I think you you haven't thought this through yet I get a wee bit kind of I don't get ratty but you're I'm a very polite, polite man Pat. I'm very <laughs> polite about it and I move it really quickly I don't do a lot of phonings 
Phone-ins are tough. Mm. That was driving down the, last night I was driving down last night. And they had the phone, there was a phone in, it wasn't phone, it was Monday Night Club, Radio 5 Live. And because uh, I'm on tonight's show, uh, I thought I'll listen to it and see if there's anything you get on. And you know, Neil Lennon and uh, Andy Townsend and James Horncastle were on, mm. talking about chappers. But they asked the footballers this one question, and it was, was Sir, did Sergio Ramos deliberately dislocate the shoulder of um, I heard that myself as well, yeah, myself, yeah. And it, when I managed to get my car back under control from nearly crashing it, at the stupidity of the question, right? I thought, well, thank, that is the, the dumbest question I have ever heard. <laughs> uh, honestly, I, the levels of stupidity in that question are just beyond me. But ha happily Lenny said, no, no, that's impossible, it can't be done. No, nobody in the world, in the history of football, would ever, could ever do that. It wouldn't cross your mind to dislocate and deliberately hurt someone's shoulder. It's the maddest thing you've ever heard. You just laugh out loud. And Andy Townsend politely came in and said exactly the same thing. And I, I, I a couple of footballers I've been asking, I went, what? <laughs> Why would you ask that? And then comes the, the tweets. You are a bunch of clowns. You don't understand. He did it deliberately. And I'm, really? Do you honestly think you know more than these guys? Yeah. But there's that pantomime thing, though. Oh, yes, the pantomime, I get. A pantomime, you get. There's guys that do it here. And that, I get that. But that's just selling to the punters, which I would never, I can't do. I've got too much respect. Yeah. I won't do that. I will, I will always talk to a level that's a level of intelligence to whoever's listening. If you don't get it, or you ignore it, or you want to abuse back, fine, you carry on doing that sort of thing. And there's a, but there's a pantomime area mm. in, in this business I do, but that's a different area for me. It's a very different area for me. But as a, surely as a fan, you can't phone up or text or tweet four or five sensible, intelligent, knowledgeable people who have spent the 20 years at the pinnacle of this industry and tell them that they haven't got a clue what they're talking about, that they are clowns. But don't get me wrong, I don't think there's anything wrong with football fans having a strong opinion. Mm. There are certain areas when you ask somebody a question who's done something. If I asked one of the greatest musicians in the world now who's with a classical orchestra about his violin playing and he said, no, no, you couldn't do that because the gut string doesn't allow you to do that. I wouldn't say, you're a clown, I think. I would say, oh no, that's interesting. <laughs> I won't give you millions of bits of data and analysis or stats that commentators can give you that. I don't kind of do that. You, you can look it up and Google yourself if you like to. You're wanting me to give you something you might not have seen before. Well, that's what you said that before in interviews, that that's what you want to do well, as a pundit, is to, is to say... Something you might not know. Yeah. And I always specifically say might not. Yeah. <laughs> not something you do not know. Something you might not know. No. Because if I listen to... That's back to music. I want to hear something of that. That's how I feel about music. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. You, it's like when you, buy, you, you get a, a band coming, suddenly, suddenly they, you, oh, where's that come from? Yeah. Or I can hear an echo of this, but that's brand new. That's, you know, really, really kind of wow. Yeah. That's the thing that absolutely gets me. And the lovely thing is, the last few years have been brilliant. Mm. I've had people tell me, oh, there's not much great music around. And I'm going, really? You're kind of not. But then it's harder to find. It used to be a one-stop shop, there's not anymore. Well, it kind of, it's a strange thing, isn't it? Because technically it's easier to find. 
because it's everywhere. No, it's too much. But, they're, but they're, you're, you're crippled by choice. Yes. Yeah. yeah absolutely. That's, yeah. that's the case. So you need to find your own. And of course, the difficulty is you're crippled by choice, so there's too much. So there's this mass and mass and mass and mass. Of, everything's available, right? And you say, oh, but I like that wee bit. Mm. And then you're, you're down the wormhole. And all the while knowing you're still just looking for something. You're searching for something that may or may not be there. Yeah. But when you hear it, it's the greatest feeling in the world. It's, that's the, the brilliant thing, and that's why I'm kind of evangelistic about certain stuff, and not in, you will like this, but I would love you to get the joy out of this. I got out of it. Once you went to Morrissey's house, is that true? Yeah, yeah. Twice I've told that story slightly too often. I want to change it. I want to adapt it and change it. No, no, just Vinnie Riley was a friend of mine, food director at yeah. Factory Days. And yeah, I was living up here in the Kinnisup area. And he just said, let's go around and visit Moz. And we went round. This is the short version of it. And we had a lovely evening. And he brought a baby grand piano for the night, which was nice because Vinnie's a classically trained pianist. Uh, Vinny's line is, uh, we played some football in the back garden, which I have no memory of, but there's every <laughs> possible chance that we did, because yeah. I'm quite capable of forgetting that sort of thing. I just thought it was good company. And the thing that reminded me most, most was, this is the weirdest thing for the people who like the kind of music that I'm supposed to like. I'm supposed to be going, wow, Moz, kind of the Smiths. I wasn't that big a Smiths fan, but I find people interesting. And also, I like extreme characters. Probably because I'm not a particularly extreme one myself, but I like extreme characters. Um, and I like to know, watch and listen and observe and play, gently prod to find out how much of it is real. Mm. And Morrissey's as good a candidate for that as you'll ever find. And the, the first thing that hit me is full Morrissey. You know, really feign it up, really kind of. Uh. <laughs> and then it starts to falter a wee bit and it starts to fall away a wee bit and then you get a different type of character and there's layers and actually I've, I found that in incredibly interesting very intelligent thing to do uh, do you pay much attention to the things he said in recent years I don't think I haven't paid attention to anything I've ever said <laughs> to be honest yeah. ever in fact I never did uh, because I certainly knew he was doing a lot for effect yeah and so uh, there's enough people I've worked with in my industry, this particular, this industry now, in media, um, they do things purely for effect. A lot of, you talk about the people that are, you know, this Yabu Socks kind of journalism yeah. with some of the pundits. You, I'm still stunned that intelligent people actually think those people mean what they say. Yeah. Um, and my brother saying there was a particular pundit, my brother said, I can, I can know he's a bit loud, but he's, he's really opinionated and he says what he means. And I'm going, utterly does not say he's, he's trolling the, the, yeah. the listeners or the, the viewers. He's either yeah. trolling them to wind them up or he's channeling them. Yeah. But an extreme version, there's always a yes or a no. Yeah. There is not a nuance. There's Do no you ever feel pressure to go down that path? No. Oh, if, if I wanted to go down that path, I could. I'd probably be on the telly a lot more. <laughs> Do, you, Do you worry about that? Do you worry about your work and your future and, and how much work you will get and how you need to sort of be in that 
place where you're pushing people's buttons more? Um, I find that a difficult question. It's a good question again. Um, but you kind of need to know my personality to know that. And my personality was I'd play football because I like playing football for fun. Mm. Didn't want to be a footballer. Didn't want to uh, be famous. Didn't want to uh, make loads of money. Um, I didn't want to get to the very, very top. None of that stuff. I love the creativity. Love the kind of the beautiful side of it. You know, if you create something that even if no one in that stadium saw what you did, you drive three people, pull three people that way, and then clip something that made this goal that somebody got to tap in that you had created in your mind three passes before. See, if you know you, you, you'd done that, how brilliant is that? And that was my favourite feeling. That sort of thing, that beautiful creativity that you can get in there. So I did it for that. I was fortunate I was able to do it for that because I could have come back to my studies and gone on and finished and had a perfectly normal, natural career doing that. So I did football for 19 years that's a bit of a lark. Yeah. Um, but was committed to it. I mean, that's a dichotomy. You can do it. If you can manage to get this balance where you're doing something for the love of it, but keep the enjoyment of it, and not do it with fear, if it's creative, you'll be better at it. I, I absolutely promise you. That doesn't matter if it's music, it doesn't matter if it's art, it doesn't matter if it's football, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can actually create. But the hardest thing in the world to do, it gets harder when you've, you've, you've got a wife and kids because there's other pressures on you. But if you can manage to keep that, or even the pretense of that in your mind, you'll be okay. You'll want it fairly from Donaghy, and Pat Nevin is onside. Pallister's making up the ground, but Pat Nevin has produced a delightful finish. And inside two minutes in the second half, Everton celebrate a goal that was rounded off with real imagination by a player who has that quality in abundance. He just lifted it over the onrushing Jim Layton. It was audacity produced at top speed. 2-0. When do you feel that you're in a pressured situation? What do you mean by pressure? A situation that would stress you out. A situation where you would worry about it before. Nervous. Yeah, nervous. Never been. Really? Well, I would say that's incorrect. <laughs> I would say there are two situations where I've felt nervous. There was two, two, when I say situation, two points in my life. Uh, one of them was, oddly enough, a game of football. Uh, when I was 24, 25. Now, that's well into my career. I've played in Scotland v England, I've played in FA Cup finals, I've played in everything. And I'm just about to walk out for a friendly. And I'm sitting there going, this feels terrible, I, feel, I don't feel up to this. And the manager's looking at me going, what's wrong with you? And I went, stomach's weird, I don't really feel right. I've just, I can't really face this today. And he went, what, you can't face this? Like, mister, just deal with anything. And he goes, you're nervous, aren't you? And I went, I don't know, I've never felt nervous, I don't know what it feels like. And he goes, you're, you're actually nervous. So, now, the giveaway was, there was 50,000, 60,000 people outside, so what? But that 50, 60,000 were me, that was the Celtic fans. And I'd never played in front of them. So this was me as a 10 year old walking out onto that pitch. I was now playing for Everton, 
We're playing a friendly at Celtic Park. And for those few moments, I didn't even see it coming. It hit me. So I, I kinda, and it kind of wobbled me for about at least a minute. And then I walked out and went, oh, that's good. <laughs> and it was good, because what happened was I walked out and the place all erupted and they roared and they applauded me because they knew I was a Celtic fan. And it was, it was never filmed, but if you'd have filmed it, it would have been well worth watching on YouTube. Because as I walked out, Charlie Nicholas had just re-signed for Celtic, I think. So I walked out on the, and it was a pre-season thing, and the place erupted. And I went, well, I wonder who's walked out. <laughs> and I said, dead honest, I looked behind to see who it was. It's Charlie walking out. <laughs> oh, me? All oh, right, oh, thank you. Wow. Personally, I always had this concept that if you play football, it's very, very simple. If you watch uh, the old footballers running out in the old days, and you ball under the arm, running out, punching up and down as they run out, and they're very stiff and they're really up for it. And come on, lads, let's get the first tackle in and all that sort of stuff. The first ball comes to them and it just bounces off the leg because yeah. they're not relaxed and calm. Yeah, they're upset. You watch yeah. Rude Hullet walking on your oh, pitch. <laughs> It's kind of lanky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was always that other guy. I yeah. was the kind of people who were managing you, coaching you, who didn't understand that, who hadn't, I would argue, reached that level. They were going, well, he's not up for it. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you're a mug because <laughs> you should be this way. That's exactly yeah. how it should be. And if you look at the teams who win things these days, they're not the ones that are running about kicking lumps out of each other and running 100 mile an hour. It's the people who are who are doing it in an intelligent way. Uh, I had a look at some statistics um, and just before the quarterfinals I looked at all the distance <laughs> run uh, by every player in the Champions League at the top level. And the player who'd run the least distance per minute on the field, Lionel Messi. Right. Second, Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And you think about it, you go, whoa, where did that come from? Because the players who should be doing of course, what they're doing is to save themselves. They're getting a little bit older now. They've got a World Cup coming yeah, on. Yeah. And they're utilising their pearls in the right areas because they're intelligent enough to do that. Mm. Everyone else can't do that. So there's a difference between you know, the ones that are being lazy and not running and the ones that are being intelligent and not running. Yeah. And that's tough to see. Did you ever see the uh, Mogwai soundtrack film with Zinedine Zidane, where the, the camera was just trained on him for the whole game? Of, of, you were talking earlier about uh, about watching yeah, Marcelo. I liked the music, but I didn't like the film. Ah, okay. The, the film didn't tell me anything, didn't, no. It didn't invoke that, that sort no, of I sense of beauty. and Because I don't think there's many football films that are any good. You know, football films shouldn't be structured upon uh, purely in football, it's, it's got to be a film. It's got to be a good movie. You know, don't just fall on the subject matter. Mm. So there's very few football movies out there that I have anything for at all. And yeah, you can make anything pretty beautiful with some slow motion and some balletic actions.
one of my favourite films ever is um, Lost in Translation. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it's as if Sofia Coppola's crawled inside my brain and stole my library of music. <laughs> Every track is just fabulous. Yeah, yeah. Do you know the most incredible thing about that film? It's, it's actually quite creepy. Have you found any work of art, be it a song, be it a television programme, be it a book, and you think, oh my God, that person's thinking like me. Oh my God, how do you know that much about my head? Well, you think about my life and you think about his character. Yeah. In hotels, travelling around the world, seeing beautiful things. Now, not having the affairs, right, but all that, but even not having an affair, but meeting really lovely people that you think, no, no, but I'm married and it's fine. But being an alien in a certain world as well, yeah. yeah. There, is a, there is a moment in that film which, and it's, it is, it's wild. And how she could understand this, and it's arrogant of me to say it, but how she could understand it. He walks up into a golf course and puts the ball down. <coughs> so you build Murray like that. He's got Mount Fuji in the background. Perfect drawn drive, 240 yards. And he's, like, and he's picked his tea, and he's walked on. And it's, I could write stories about that moment because I'm a golfer myself, I love golf. I don't like the snowball around it, but I like the actual game. But on your own, you've just hit the most beautiful shot and the most fabulous surroundings. There's nobody to share it with. Yeah. There's nothing to share it with. And to be honest, the amount of times, and it's not a golf shot, it can be a piece of music up here when you're travelling, some beautiful view or whatever, and you turn around and go, can you... There's no yeah. one. Yeah. So that film, that's the best portrayal I've ever seen of. Loneliness. The, the, yeah. the kind of loneliness of famous people travelling. And I'm not famous, but media people yeah. having to do these things. Yeah. And I don't do Suntory whiskey. Well, I like whiskey, but I've never done, I've never done adverts. No. I don't do adverts. It wouldn't really be me. But... It was, it was a quite extraordinary piece of work. And then she stuck that music in off it. <laughs> Get out of my brain, you! <laughs> I want to listen to more music with you before we do that. But first, about yeah. the actual World Cup. I don't want to talk about the World Cup too much, really. But what are you looking forward to most about the World Cup? I love travelling, oddly enough. Uh, so I'm off, I'm, I'm there for the whole time until the semi-finals. Um, there's always stories. Are you always. nervous about Russia though at all? Remember who you're talking to here? <laughs> don't get nervous. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, no. You're I not a warrior at all. Not at all. Yeah. I mean, I know it sounds odd that, what's the worst that can happen? Somebody blows me up. But you've gone. <laughs> you've had a nice laugh. You had a great time. So, um, I quite like those dangerous situations. Um, I quite like unusual situations where you find yourself uh, thinking quickly. Mm. Um, quite a few of them happened in Brazil in the World Cup, which I didn't necessarily report back to the BBC because <laughs> I kind of slightly go off grid. I'll go a wee bit off grid in certain areas, and I always have done because. As a 17-year-old, instead of doing coaching badges, which I was supposed to do at that age, I went interrailing around Europe, because mm. that's what you should do when you're 17, you know. And I've never kind of got out of that, so when I travel abroad, I would go and see bands, I would go and see... The mu Brazilian music seems fantastic, yeah. oh, wow. Yeah. So, obviously, I was going to go off-grid a wee bit and see what's going to happen in there. Um, but also, there's artistically, there's stuff going on in every country. I mean, as a classic example. I remember going to Sofia when I was about, I don't know, 23, 24. 
playing for Scotland. And as I arrived there, um, there was a guy waiting at the hotel. Now this is Bulgaria, old days, before the Berlin Wall um, came down. So I've got in a hotel, and this guy's walked through, are you on, you are Nevin? I went, yeah, yeah, hello, nice to meet you. He goes, ah, we know you, we know you. You like Bulgarian folk music? And I went, I know the team are going, yeah, sure. And I went, yes, I do, actually. Amazing that you know that. So it was this album, uh, double, two albums, first and second volume, Vlad the Bulgar, released in 4AD, LA80s, brilliant, Peely loved it as well. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, no, I do, I do, I do, he goes, we have concert for you ready. Went, what? <laughs> in my house, we have a concert for you ready. So I said, well, we're training, and I'm free in the afternoon, so we are waiting for you. I will take you there. So we went training, came back, I've got about four hours free. So we went walking through the streets, and I'm going, I'm walking through the streets with somebody I've never met in the middle of Sophia. But he's mentioned Vlad the Bulgar, and, and he's mentioned John Peel show, because he listened to the John Peel show. Got to this house, and there they are, dressed up in national costumes. Wow. These six women in a semicircle. And they sang to me for 40 minutes or whatever it was. And it was even better than the records, because it was, they've got the most beautiful harmonies. It was brilliant. Anyway, so I could go on forever. But anyway, we're walking back afterwards. I said, that was just phenomenal. I'm, it's amazing, it was nice to meet your wife and your kids. I said, what, you, you, you're working later? And he goes, no, 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 I gave my job up, I stopped my job. And I said, oh, why did you do that? Oh, to meet you. And I went, what? <laughs> he said, well, I had to organize the concert for you and meet you, so I gave up my job. Oh and my I went, goodness. sorry, let, let's stop now. I, I need to sort this, this is terrible. And he goes, what, what's terrible? And I went, you've given up your job, you've got away from family. He goes, it's communism, I get another one tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it was the, really the biggest lesson I ever learned about, you know, That's communism. Yeah, yeah. The communism ever. Yeah, yeah. Being a bit of a lefty, it was a bit of a, oh shit, that's why it doesn't work. Because <laughs> <laughs> people just say, ah, fuck it, because everyone gets a job anyway, yeah. and no one commits to anything. And it was quite intriguing. So I remember going back and telling Peely that story, I thought it was absolutely hilarious. So if I can go off grid in Bulgaria or whatever, and I went off grid in Baghdad. It was in Iraq, playing against the Iraq national side. We'd met. Saddam, and we had a day free. So I'm not going to sit in a hotel with everybody else, I'm going. And it was, oh, what a day we had. Um, and you met Saddam Hussein? Yeah, we, he was you know, he was a guest of honour before then. Well, he was Britain's friend then. People forget, yeah. things change. Anyway, so all that side of it is, is brilliant. And meeting people. Mm. You meet fans. In the last World Cup, for the fact that there was one country that I've, I've just fell in love with, one country. Um, so everyone, you know, likes different things. I ended up following the US team and the US supporters, I'm madly in love with them. I just, they are the best. They are, and you, people go, US? They know nothing about football. Right, they're massively knowledgeable. Um, they follow the team. They're utterly and completely and utterly passionate. And the one thing they don't get, they don't get hatred. Don't hate anyone. No, well, this is it, and that's their problem, isn't it? It's yeah. our hate. See, they in don't. Football. The thing is, people say to me, that's their problem, they don't hate everyone. I'm thinking, think about that just for a wee while. <laughs> it might be the other way around. Yeah, <laughs> and absolutely. that's how I feel. I think we feel the same way. No, I thought the same. Which Tracy Thorne did you want to pull? Oh, Tracy Thorne. Uh, so, the first, so she had, before she did um, uh, Everything But the Girl, mm. uh, I had this conversation with, um, of all people, Tracy Ann Campbell. And you, you meet some people for the first time, and it's it's kind of odd because you, you kind of 
generally try and music and you kind of don't know if you're going to go on and it was at that night with Peely's yeah. and we, we were talking about songwriters and she said oh, I heard I watched you there you sang every every single word of every song we sang there and I went yeah quite like you <laughs> they're quite you're quite good every single word I went yeah okay then I love the band yes and I've got everything you've done and yes okay and we chatted away and she goes and eventually I said well I said, what about uh, Tracy Thorns? Because um, I kind of could feel a wee bit of that in their music. And she said, well, so what, do you, what, what have you got? What's your problem with it? And I said, well, my problem with it is, if I see this album either on vinyl or on CD anywhere, I just buy it anyway. You can't I've probably got about seven <laughs> copies. And she went, so have I. <laughs> and I think a lot of people have got an album like that. If you yeah. see it, you can think, that's too beautiful. I'm going to have it. Mine might wear out. I might have to give it to somebody else. Then you never give any of them away. Anyway, it's a bit like that. Tell you what, why don't we stick in this? Not talk about cover songs. Um, I did, uh, recently did a DJ set with, with Colin Murray. We were calling L an hour before it. So it was him and I supposed to do a night of covers. Right. That sounds okay. But it's actually quite hard because remember, it's a very special area. Yeah. And, and there's not that many danceable. Now, I wouldn't play this because you can't dance to it, but there's not that many songs that the cover's better than the original. And I would argue that this might actually be better than the Velvets. Oddly enough, you come to me on a strange day. 
because I had to give away some records last uh, last week, which I have never, well, I say give away, I might get them back, but it's damned unlikely. And what it was, my daughter, who's uh, 23, uh, her flatmate has bought her a record player for her birthday. But she had no records, obviously, as a 23-year-old wouldn't have any records. And she said, Dad, no, I know, all right then. She said, well, give me that kind of, a cross-section of stuff I should have. So I took it up and uh, I still left it with about 20 or 30 LPs and number of 12 inches to explain the difference between the sound of 7 inch and 12 inch and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and then left it and I thought, I'm never going to see them again, am I? <laughs> Talking about my daughter, I don't know why this jumped out at me. Um, and it doesn't matter about timeliness, it doesn't matter, but whether I'm playing it as, as DJing or youngsters, if you've never heard this song and you put it on and you quite like music, you will always like it. So can we just cheat up a wee bit with that? Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just wanted to do that. I don't know why. It popped into my mind when I was talking to my daughter, and I just thought, everywhere you put this, it's fine. Yeah. It's, and we've just gone a wee bit. Do you think you've played this every time you've DJed? That's a good question. Nearly. So what was the last gig you went to then? Spook School. Um, okay. Spook School are the ones that I've got in the past year that have been the most fabulous thing. I just, every now and, a ba- now and again a band comes along and you think, I wish John Peel was around just now. Yeah. I'd like John to hear this. Yeah. I would go and say, John, listen to this. Because I know he would kind of love, just some things you know he would kind of love. And because they've got the kind of punk meets kind of Scottish jangly meets I mean, it's, it's, playing, it's like the undertones meets the best jangle Scottish music you'll ever make, but with more be- and more and better tunes. Like, we, we could what? put some on. Go for it. I wish one or right there. Tell you what, I'm uncomfortable saying this alone with you in this room, but I want to kiss you. That's the name of the track, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and it's a cracker. Have a listen to this. I've DJed for years and years and years, and it's not people. You're a DJ, and they think of you know all these mixing, mixing stuff. Yeah. No, no, absolutely, hundred percent. No, you put on a tune, and then 
you might fade one into the other. That's it. But I've done it for years, um, and I've, the thing is, you did it for years, and nobody knew that was the point. They did it for friends or the odd little club or these wee clubs around, because there are any clubs around the Britain. They're, they're small, there's not a lot mm. of people go. Mm. It's not about being a big you know, DJ. No. And then I made a mistake. Um, I got asked to go and do uh, the Bowley tour. Yeah, for ATP. Like yeah, a, ATP. Yeah, yeah, like so it was for, Bowley tour. So it was, fr it was uh, Bernard Sebastian. Bernard Sebastian were yeah. curating it. Yeah. And of course, it was Franz Ferdinand over there. And, Every, every band there, like Julian Cope was there. It was like, you name it. It was, it was so much fun going along. It was just really, really brilliant. Great night. And I was driving up the next day to do it again. And I, I hadn't realised this thing called Twitter had been invented. <laughs> and they were all talking, what a great set, what a fantastic set. What a, and it, it went mad. And no one had, before this, no one had ever talked about my DJing, which I'd done for years. And then after that, any time I do an interview, so you do a lot of DJing now. Yeah. I'm like, I've always done it, but because social media has changed it, so that, that's a kind of sadness for me in a way. I didn't really want that. I'm not doing it for any other reason than there's a wee club where a guy who I quite like running a club. I'll come down and play some records, and if 20 yeah. more people come in, yeah. then great. So like, this is something you play every single time, generally, and oddly enough, but usually quite early when there's not a lot of people dancing. Yeah. And sometimes it gets people. Fun enough, younger people who have no idea what this is, will dance to this. Yeah. We were talking about atonal music. Um, have you ever heard of a band called Women? Not not music to, to DJ out, but uh, they were a band from Canada, from Calgary. Uh -huh. And there's a, there's a, over the last sort of 10, 20 years, I've been a big fan of a lot of music from that area, so that, that Calgarian sort of scene. And they make, actually, can we just turn this down? Turn it, in fact, turn it off. So, and that, but the thing is about women is that they make music that is atonal mm -hmm. and odd and strange. But at the same time, there's a melody that sits underneath it. You're you know? selling me. And it's, it gives me goosebumps just hearing that start. It's <laughs> just the same start as Dear Prudence. Yeah. Oh, yes. There's a whole load of jangling there. There is a lot of jangle. And look, they like, they, they're a lot of spidery guitar lines and a lot of that sort of stuff. Send you the album. No, that's that definitely 100%. <laughs> I'm sold. Women. Anyway, listen, Pat, it's been absolutely. You're bleeding at the end of it. I can't believe it. You cut your arm. No, I actually I was gardening the other day and I just scratched it there. 
and by scratching it, I brought it out again. <laughs> Thanks so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's, it's, been, it's been so good, it's and you've been like, very generous. And when we've kind of we've scratched the surface. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But thank good. you. Well, maybe we'll have to do it again then. Yeah, well, Adrian, always happy to help. Thank you very much. So thanks again to Pat Nevin for uh, being good enough to give me a couple of hours of his time uh, to share records. And thanks again to Paul at Scared to Dance for uh, putting me in touch with him as well. I hope you found uh, Pat to be as uh, warm and interesting as I did. And uh, hopefully you've got something out of it, even if you're not into football, uh, even if you're absolutely sick to the back teeth of it. Uh, I appreciate you giving it a punt, so to speak. If you enjoyed this Away From Home podcast, uh, little leg-ups here and there like shares or comments or iTunes reviews or ratings or emails or stopping me in the street to tell me how much it's um, changed your life, all these things have been very welcome when they've happened so far. No one's actually ever stopped me in the street to tell me that it's changed their life, but it would probably be a bit weird if it actually happened. Uh, but still if you downloaded and listened to this podcast remember there's also a full length version streaming up on Mixcloud if you want to all the songs are played in full on there and if you want to get in touch with me about anything at all send me whatever you like suggestions for songs music if you're in a band if you uh, make music yourself if you think that there's somebody I should definitely get on the podcast because they've got an amazing record collection then uh, then get in touch at John Hillcock on Twitter and Instagram and Bandcamp as well or email awfhpod at gmail.com Away From Home is presented in association with Calm, the campaign against living miserably which is a movement that fights to reduce male suicide which remains the single biggest killer of men under 45 in the UK For more on the work they do and all the different ways we can help people who might be stuck in some sort of rut uh, go to thecalmzone.net I'm going to leave you with a song from one of two Wave Pictures albums which are apparently going to be released this year. The first of the two, Brushes With Happiness, came out just last Friday and it's a quiet, reflective, slow record apparently influenced in part by the movie Patterson directed by Jim Jarmusch, starring Adam Driver which I uh, liked a lot when I went to see it last year. David Tattersall of the Wave Pictures said he loved the film so much it inspired him to write all the lyrics for the album in one go without any music. That was all they had and they improvised all of the music one night while drunk uh, apparently just to help a mate try out some new recording equipment and so the album is really spontaneous it's honest and creative and there are lyrics in this song Jim which chime maybe on a very superficial level at least but they chime with me and this podcast endeavour uh, see if you can spot them this is the Wave Pictures with Jim and I'll see you next time enjoy the World Cup if it's your sort of thing Jim I'm gonna buy a vinyl record and take it to him Just to sit in Jim's kitchen Just to sit there and listen, Jim Now
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.